listener production. This episode is brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to The Grill, all polished up after a little bit of TLC in the garage over summer. Big year coming up for us as well. And we're going to start by changing up a gear. The Grill, now available fortnightly here at Listener or wherever you get your pods. Still packed, though, with that same level of goodness, which includes these two awesome human beings. Happy New Year. Welcome, Shane Jacobs and Jeff Gwillem. Hello. Hello. Team, how are you? I'm still covered in Christmas paper. <laughs> I've still got Christmas baubles hanging off my ears. I'm still feeling the Christmas vibe. And un- unlike usual, where you're normally in the studio with us, uh, where are you beaming in from today? You're in Adelaide, I think, aren't you? You're on the road with the show. Yeah, in South Australia's great capital, Adelaide. Yeah, we've, um, Hairspray is now the musical, I should explain, in case people are thinking, why would Shane go all the way to Adelaide just to buy Hairspray? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the Hairspray, the musicals now, uh, we're now here for a month. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in Adelaide having a ball. Awesome. Jeff, any New Year's automotive resolutions, missions for you, for VACC? What is the big kind of Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce thing that you'd love to see happen in 2023 but we've got a big event uh, this year this is the president's awards uh, in may um we used to hold an awards night every year greg and you know covid sort of put the kibosh on that however the members have asked for it so we're rolling that back out president's dinner big awards night those awards are still open for people in the industry uh, vacc members go online to the vacc website and have a look at the categories to get into those awards it's going to be a big big night um, we're anticipating this year, Greg, the government's new electric car plan will come through. This will be the beginning of policy around how that's managed in Australia. So I'm guessing that'll be before mid-year. And I'm sending a couple of guys over to the States to look at the training arrangements for apprentices and automotive technicians there. You know, this skill shortage we've got in auto has been with us for at least two decades. COVID has put an even bigger hole in that. And uh, there's nothing that we can see in the short term that will solve that. So we've got a really good apprenticeship system in Australia, but it's possible that we need two different streams to get into the industry so that industry, you know, isn't overly reliant on international labour. You know, we learned the hard way in COVID. If you're relying too heavily on international labour and that dries up, you're in big, big trouble. So big exploration this year around skills training for automotive technicians. Awesome stuff. All right, coming up in this edition, we are going to cover a sports car that has coral on it, all in the name of art. Would you do that to a Porsche? The first class pest, this pest caught our attention driving with no number plates. That's coming up in a moment. And the final figures for 2022, Jeff will take a, a deep dive into there. Did Australia make the magic million for vehicle sales and deliveries last year? We'll talk VFAX very soon. Our special guest is a great mate of Shane, Steve Pizzardi, former uh, Top Gear Australia host, a, a man I've had the pleasure of road tripping with. He's still in therapy over that. But anyway, Piz is coming on the show today. He's mad, but he's got some great yarn, Shane, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, always. He's uh, he's never short of a good yarn. Uh, I can't wait to catch up with him. Me either. Plus, uh, a new member of the VACC board, well-known in the motorcycle industry, biggest Honda bike dealer in Oz. So Matt Jones is going to join us in the studio as well. Looking forward to that. But first... 
Time for Uncle Shane to jump into the driver's seat with a fave little seg of ours that we call Cop This. The Cop This uh, is actually based on me getting to Adelaide. I'm, I, I know quite a lot of our listeners do follow me and they'll know where I'm going with this, but I, when, when I was on my way over here from Melbourne, I, I, I drove so that I've got a car here in Adelaide to get around. I drove across from, from Melbourne to Adelaide, about 250 k's out of Melbourne is a town called Sananad, and it was time for me to whack some fuel in the car. And I pulled into the servo and a guy walked out of the front door of the servo. And to be honest, I just thought he was a customer coming out and came over to the car and said, uh, so shall I fill her up, mate? And it was old school driveway service. He apologised that he didn't get a chance to wash my windows and, I, and he wasn't kidding. So I walked in to pay for it at the end and shook his hand and said, I just cannot remember the last time I had old school service like this. And he said, oh, mate, it's a pleasure. It's, it's literally all part of the service. And as I wrote in a post I did on social media, the thing that I loved about it was he meant it. He wasn't just saying that offhandedly. So I, when I drove off, I just took a photo of the servo and did a little post on, on, my, on my social media, on Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, just saying, how great's this? Just went into Sonata and literally had a, a guy do, doing driveway service and apparently it's what they do every day. So that simple post with me just taking a photo of the, um, of the servo got 127,000 likes. It's so good. Just short of 9,000 comments. And I don't mean just the thumbs up. I mean people writing their stories and saying what a great what a great service to know there's old school service like that, bring it back. And then a few people around Australia saying, oh, no, there's somebody in my town that does it. And there wasn't many of those. And then next thing you know, my article turns up in the, in the Daily Mail in the UK and then it makes the papers in New York. But it just made me realise how much it doesn't matter – what you do, and it, I guess it's not even about motoring, it's, a, it's about retail in general, but isn't it fascinating the interest you have when you just hark back to good old-fashioned customer service? I, I love the reach that it's had, mate, and it happened to me um, in parts of regional New Zealand, and you you are almost gobsmacked when they come out and talk to you. I love that personalised old-school service, and, and um, it's, a, it's a lovely gesture, but you're just so used to uh, autopilot, turning up, doing it yourself. When someone comes out and actually offers to do that, you're a little bit gobsmacked, aren't you? You know, to all of those of you out there who are still doing that, good on you. And um, yeah, one of the headlines in New York and England said, why Australians are going crazy over a photo of a service station. But it was, as we both know, it's not the photo, nor was it clickbait. It literally was, and, you know, I finished it off with, you know, go Australia. But it turns out, as you said, mate, even over the ditch there in New Zealand, they're doing it. So, yeah, to all those who are still walking out the front door of their servo and feeling up people's cars for them. And there's elderly people who um, in winter don't like getting out of cars. There's a whole bunch of reasons why it's lovely to know that that service is there for some of our elderly citizens. But uh, for those who are doing it, bloody good on you. A quick break to talk about Bendix brakes, specifically their General CT brake pads. The perfect braking solution for everyday driving. Bendix General CT brakes utilize stealth advanced technology, offering smoother and quieter braking for more comfortable day-to-day driving. Ceramic technology means that they also deliver improved stopping performance, which is obviously very important when you're talking about brakes, of course, low dust, low rotor wear, and enhanced durability. Bendix Blue Titanium Stripe technology removes the need for bedding in, and noise-absorbing shims reduce vibration and noise 
boys during extreme braking, which me and Rusty and Jeff know a little bit about. For the perfect everyday braking solution, ask your mechanic to fit Bendix General CT brake pads, available from all good Bendix stockists. Bendix, put your foot down with confidence. Hey, speaking of brakes, Rusty, time for breaking news. Can we just start this news segment with a little rant? I don't often get on the soapbox today, I'm going to. Big shout out to the police in Gundagai, New South Wales, who I think handled this superbly. Now, they pulled over a Victorian driver, Chloe, I think her name is, uh, for not displaying number plates while driving on public roads. That was the allegation. Now, you can find this video. It's been doing the rounds on, on socials. I don't want to give it too much oxygen. Producer Tom may have a, a little slice of it here. Um, so whereabouts are the plates that belong to the vehicle? Why aren't they being displayed? Um, I'm going sovereign. Well, I'm slowly removing myself from yep. being um, under your corporation because you're, you're actually a corporation, so you're... <laughs> You're, you're like a, you just collect money. This pelican describes herself as a sovereign citizen who is transitioning. She has all the certificates to prevent them from having any authority over her, so she claims, um, and is slowly removing herself from being under the powers of a, of a corporation like police. Chloe, if that's your real name, Go away. Just go away. You are a dead set pest. No one is above the law. Plates are needed for all sorts of reasons, including for your own safety um, at times. It's, it's got nothing to do with, with membership that you can supposedly remove yourself from or prevent yourself from being fined. Seriously, to the female officer in particular in this video, you need a medal for the patience that you showed in handling this. Well done. Yeah, amazing. And in the words of the great Barry Sheen, do me a favour. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you one of the other bits, I've seen this video and you're right, it just did my brain in. Um, she's saying, you know, if I'm not a part of your membership and if I don't have a licence to lose and you can't take it from me kind of vibe, it just none of it made sense. And look, let's be honest, once you watch it, after a few minutes, you'll realise she's actually just up for a fight. She's up. She's actually just up for an argument. Yeah. Um, and she's just poking the stick. The most disturbing bit is there were three coppers that were on the film there burning time out on a highway where there's somebody that needs their help and needs their assistance. And, and that, yeah. that's, the, that's the waste here is, is that as a young person that wants to be, doesn't want to be part of the, the, the general team but wants to use the resources that are paid for by the general team, and the resources being wasted in terms of the coppers. And uh, Greg, I agree that the female uh, officer there, I think, handled it very, very well indeed. But what a waste of resources. Can we now inject a little bit of zen into the news? What about the classic Porsche covered in coral for art? 1973, 911T. Uh, have you seen the picture of this? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Draped in coral and seaweed. I am, I've got to be honest, I'm struggling because I like Porsches and I just, I know it's in the name of art and promoting things around ocean and climate change, but I'm struggling. I mean, this this conversation will go on for thousands of years and it's gone on for hundreds, you know, I mean, what defines art? Anyway, that's, mm. that's what they think art is. Yeah. What about the factory building them only in white. This is Toyota or T Company, Toyota Gibraltar more specifically. Every month, 650 white cars from their fleet leave there bound for hotspots around the world. So uh, lots of, when you look at the picture, lots of land cruisers and high ace fans and things like that. So off to war zones, aid programs and disaster relief. I guess it's kind of no surprise that they're, you know, like a bunch of 
stormtrooper vehicles. They're all in white. I don't think I'd ever thought about the fact that now that you say that, that all sort of disaster relief vehicles are white. I'd never even considered that. I guess it makes sense. So Greg, were they were they new or were they being refurbished or were they all new Toyotas? I'd have to go back and have a look at the um, at the article. I yeah. think from memory it was a Top Gear yarn, and they took you inside the the factory. But the cars, as you rightly point out, are, are all destined for that sort of work. But I suppose by the time you badge them, Jeff, with with uh, you know first aid logos and things like that, it makes sense that they're that they're white, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Finally. There is a bloke in my neighbourhood with one of these one-wheel electric skateboards. He, he wears the black helmet, looks like something out of a space movie, balances each day on his way to work on, on one wheel. <laughs> don't ask me. Don't ask me about it. There is an F1-themed version of this thing that you can find the vid. I think it's motor1.com. Uh, and they have taken the kind of hot rod internals from a hoverboard and incorporated a Pirelli-style F1 wheel with a bit of Ferrari colours and Bob's your uncle, one-wheel F1-inspired skateboard. They're big wheels. You'd have to straddle a fair old wheel. They're not They're not small, Rusty, are they? I mean, they're not. And I reckon the kid that was doing it, he'd have to be an engineering student or something because there's a lot of heavy-duty work in that. What's it called? A wheel machine or something, you know? It's a one-wheeler. I knew that would appeal to you when you saw him welding and cutting and designing yeah, all and all that. Heaps all of hours went into that. A lot of, lot of thought, a lot of spare time that we don't have. But anyway, motorised skateboard with an F1 wheel. A bit more complicated than it looks to ride, let alone build. Now, Jeff, time for a bit of a state of the VFAX nation. Vehicle figures for 2022. Before we get to the final annual figure for the entire country. What did the month of December look like? It actually looked like um, a, a lot of ups, if you will, in percentage terms in, in various sectors. Yeah, not bad at all, Greg. In December, 87,920 new vehicles were delivered. Now, for 2022, that was an increase of 9,518 over last year. That's up 12.1%. So, so all vehicles recorded increased sales in December except light commercial vehicles, but all other categories went up. SUVs were up 21.7% for December. Heavy commercial vehicles were up 19.2% and passenger vehicles were up 3.1%. And just just hang on to that passenger vehicle number because that's relatively low. Um, demand for new vehicles remains strong in December despite delivery delays. And, and what's actually happened is people have become very conditioned now and they accept that if I want a car, I need to get out in some cases six months or even longer and order this car because it's, I'm not going to be able to just pick it up on the day I need it. For some, you can, but not for uh, all cars. Producer Tom, can we have a little drum roll here, please? Because we clicked over a million for the year. What was that final number? We finished on deliveries on a million and eighty-one thousand four hundred and twenty-nine cars. Hey. It's a great number, three percent higher than the year before, which is thirty-one thousand units or thirty-one thousand five hundred ninety-eight cars sold more than in twenty twenty-one. So you know, not a bad end to the year. Um, personally, I thought it was going to flatten out a bit lower than that, but that's a great finish to the year in terms of the overall numbers. The number actually surpassed, I don't know which one of us it was, some, I'm sure Shane will claim the win, but one of us predicted, I think, a million a million and 70, didn't we? Is that what it, what it was? Um, one million and 70,000? I think that was me. <laughs> I think we had a lazy ton on it. I think we had $1,000 on it from memory. Yeah, no, I look forward to you paying up. This will be good. <laughs> Do you think we'll ever see that kind of number you've just rattled off reached uh, again? Is that possible? 
everything's changed, Greg. So uh, if you look at e-scooters and you look at the micro-mobility vehicles, in actual fact, if you included all them in the vehicles today, you might even be at 1.2 million. We may not ever go to 1.2 million cars, even though, you know, the population grows every year in Australia, mainly due to migration. But what we do need to start to factor in is, well, how many other vehicles using the road that are part of the mobility system are being used more broadly. Passenger vehicles ended the year down 8.4%. Maybe the counterbalance to that story is our obsession with uh, with SUVs and four-wheel drives and so on. So SUV sales up 8.1%, light commercials up one2 and heavy commercials up 9.3%. Um, battery electric vehicles for December, I mean, there was over 5,000, I think, delivered for the month of December and Tesla dominated, didn't they? The biggest selling EV models in December were, were Tesla, followed by the BYD, the Atto 3, and the Hyundai Ioniq 5. They sold 756 of those. Year-to-date sales for EVs, though, they were 33,410 pure EVs sold during 2022, and that's a 3.1% of all new vehicles sold, and that's up from 2% in 2021. We are going to talk in the next episode because we're now fortnightly here at The Grill around some of the new models that are talking about hitting the market as far as um, EVs are concerned in 2023. Jeff mentioned before the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries. Thank you to them for the figures. And our thanks also to VACC Steve Bletsos for some intel around them. We love having a, a deep dive into the VFAX figures. Um, and we'll look at the best and worst performers as well next fortnight for 2022. Looking for reliability? Switch to Denso and you'll understand why their products outperform anything else in the industry from ignition coils to engine management sensors, AC components and alternators, filters to fuel pumps and much, much more. Plus, cutting edge spark plug technology that makes Denso plugs sought after worldwide, built to last the distance and keep you on our roads longer thanks to the industry-leading facilities that they have right here in Australia. At your next service, be sure to ask for Denso, or you can find your part at denso.com.au. Now, we prank called this month's feature interview in the very early phase of The Grill. He is a good sport and handled it super well, but with his experience around driver training and with all of us on the roads over the holiday period, we thought it was way overdue that we got our mate Steve Pizzati on the show, former host of Australian Top Gear, close friend of our Shane Jacobson. He's also, Steve I'm talking about, the chief driving instructor for Audi in this part of the world and a man of impeccable patience as he painstakingly restores an old Alpine. Hello, mate, and welcome. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Can can we uh, relive, because Jeff will get a huge kick out of this, I know, a couple of fun Top Gear tales, and I've talked to both of you separately about this over time, but you can take it away here. The two that immediately spring to mind, the first one is the zoo. and Nolsworth's <laughs> open range People safari. nearly didn't come back from that story, is that right? I nearly what happened wa- there? Come I, on. I nearly watched Steve Pizzati die. <laughs> I have. N- I make no bones in saying we, we, we absolutely thought we were going to die. In fact, the first thing we did when the cameras, cameras stopped rolling was I walked over 
and hug Steve because yeah. I genuinely thought he was gone. And the producers, they were ashen face too, weren't they? Is well, that right? I'll, <laughs> let, I'll let you take over from here, but let's just say the, this will give people an idea of what we're talking about. The guy whose job it is to look after the rhinos was white as a ghost and he said, <laughs> make no bones about it, you nearly died in there and we'll oh, never wow. let this happen again. True, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the funny thing about it was that it wasn't just the, the rhino was the culmination of all this. If you remember, Shane, we we actually had got like the animals got slowly bigger. So we we started with monkeys that were just trying to destroy our car, especially uh, mine because baboons. They were baboons. Baboons. Sorry. Yes. They, they, oh, in my mind, they were silver. Remember, they had the gorillas. They were huge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you well, let's explain though? Me, Stephen, you and Paige, who was our co-host and buddy. We were in Peel 50s. They're the smallest car in the world. They're a one-seater. They literally have a door, a seat, a steering wheel. That's about it. Windows made of perspex, no lock on the doors. Oh. I had a baboon trying to open the door to get in my car, <laughs> and they're the ones with the really ugly backside. I've always described it as Bert Newton trying to eat a jam donut. God rest his soul. But um, there was one beside me that hated me that was hanging onto the door. One sat its backside on the front window it's seen some of my earlier work and this was I his critique. I worded him up, Shane, let's be honest. Like, you know, that one I actually bribed him with a couple of, you know, bunches of banana. They go, if you can just do the pressed ham up against the glass, <laughs> the full bowl of fruit, to go half a step further back, this was all in preparation for Top Gear Australia to take on Top Gear UK. So, And one of the ideas was that we would go through this safari park not far out of Liverpool and have the basically the light scared out of us, literally, by going through it with uh, these little electric Peel P50s. And the animals got slowly bigger. So we started with baboons. Uh, it moved on to lions, literally lions in in a uh, in an enclosure, uh, which yeah, being red, we look like a snack, didn't we, Shane? Like you know, they're about the same size as a <laughs> yeah. as, as a lion <laughs> snack. So queue of three cars, you two and and you and Paige. Was it you, Steve, at the front, Shane yeah. in the middle, you at the back? Am I right? Is for that the my rhinos. memory right? Steve was at the front for the rhinos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, it's the classic sort of who volunteers to do this and you and Shane took a step back and I was left. You know what I mean? So, so I, I, was, I was the dumb one that went first as, uh, yeah, sort of I was cannon fodder in some way. So, yeah, exactly. So we genuinely thought that they would have, I don't know, a tranquilizer gun or something. If this had yeah, gone something. wrong or, yeah. you know, that, mm. that they'd be able mm. to help us. He was armed with a broomstick. A stick. Yeah, it stick. was literally a broomstick. <laughs> no one stick. believes us. No. And he'd tap it on the ground as though that's going to sort of, you know, uh, arrest a, a, a lion that's just got, you know. <laughs> you know story. Yeah, exactly. Blood in its eyes. So anyway, so we end up at the at the rhinos. And the rhinos, the thing about rhinos, um, I mean, if you've ever watched one of those wildlife documentaries, you'd know that they're basically blind. Uh, they, they can only uh, detect movement. Everything else looks like a tree. So they can't pick out shapes very well or what have you. So basically, if you move, um, then they sort of, you know, th th then they can see you. But otherwise, so being small, being silent, being, you know, because they were electric, these peel P50s must have just looked like, I don't know, a tree stump or a rock. Remember, these things are about waist high. Um, and so we've turned up and this, you know, two-ton rhino mother, um, you know, with, with all the maternal with, instincts. With young. With young, with exactly young. right. With young. That was the thing. That was the thing she was protecting her young. And the other two bits I know about rhinos, because I ironically did a story about rhinos years before for some TV show. So they have sonar hearing. You know they can move their ears independent yeah. of each other. So they got like they like sonar, don't they? They have amazing hearing, but their sense of smell is something like 600 times keener than a dog or something, wasn't it, Steve? It was like 
There's some so the the reason rhinos do this thing in, in the in the wild, they poop um three piles of poop poop around their ladies. So they can gather a posse of ladies and have some kids there and they'll poop a, like so tri point yeah. around them. Yeah. What is it, five hundred meters apart or a K apart, Steve? Because they know the male rhinos in the area, if they come up there and they get anywhere or try to go inside that triangle of poop. So yeah, they'll put one over in one corner and then half a K later they'll put another one and then triangulated from that. Is that male rhino will smell the testosterone in the yeah. feces of the other rhino and smell that and go, oh no, there's already a male in charge of this group yeah, and they I'm move out of here. That's how strong their smell is. I knew, I knew this conversation was going to take ages today in a really good way because there's some fantastic stories with with you two. It just reminds me that the whole thing with Top Gear about kind of beautifully pushing the boundaries and exploring the limit. I mean, this was crazy, boys, wasn't it? Absolutely. The whole event. Yeah. We'd never do it again. I, I regretted doing it when we were doing it. <laughs> Particularly when you were getting mauled, you know, sort of yeah. there's something on your windscreen. It literally is whenever when, whenever someone says, "What's the most terrifying thing you've done?" I've, I've parachuted, I've abseiled the the rhino, the rhinos in particular. That, Win that's every time. number one. It's number one, two, and three on my list. St- Stevie, there, there is a beautiful uh, other story, Top Gear wise, here that we should quickly cover if we if we can. And I get great memories of the radical. I think it was the Isle of Man TT course, wasn't it? And it there was a point where you went, you know what? I'm going to get one chance at this to go hell for leather around this amazing piece of road, and you went for it, mate. Is he, that took right? he took off. He took off. Took off. Yeah, it, it was one of those days. I mean, England's famous for its terrible weather. Well, you know, the Isle of Man is ten times worse than that. It's literally in the in the middle yeah. of the Irish Sea, and they had enacted a, a an act of Parliament uh, to close down that road. So to get the the TT road that everybody watches, that's an act of Parliament to do that because otherwise it's just a normal public road, much like Bathurst and what have you. Anyway, so they've done this just for us, never done it for, you know, private uh, enterprise ever before. So they've done this for us. And so, and it is a miserable day, totally horrendous. It's raining. It's going from drizzle to full typhoon spec. And, you know, we've got clouds rolling. It looks foggy, but it's actually low cloud rolling in the whole time. And because of the bad weather, um, you know, the, the, the camera crew can't get these shots that they need because they're forever getting water on the lenses and they can't go more than about... 20 or 30 k's an hour with a camera hanging out the side of a van before the whole thing floods and, you know, you can't see what we're doing or what we're saying. Anyway, so Shane, myself and, and Ewan uh, are, are doing this, you know, as you do in, in TV, you're going over and over again and, oh, cut, got to do it again. Hurry up and wait, another thing take, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And exactly. Like it's just really pushing our buttons. And so we're in these really cool cars. Mind you, Shane's the only smart one. He's in a Janetta, so he's the only one with a roof. And, and an actual button, like an enclosed cabin. More on Stevie here. You didn't mention that earlier. Back in 2010, yeah, I chose the Radical because, I mean, I'd, I'd read about them, but no one had really heard about them here in Australia. Mm. The Radical about series them. here in Australia hadn't hadn't started, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously total. And then Ewan says, I'll take the, yeah, then Ewan, Ewan takes the Ariel Atom. He takes the Atom. I'm like, well, I'll have the supercar with the roof. And the heating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, short version is, They've uh, they've said do it again, do it again, do it again. And at this point, you know, I've barely gotten over two thousand RPM. I've got, you know what? I, I've had enough of this. You know, the, 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 we, we, we can't just keep doing this. We've got the Isle of Man TT road here. This is and the mountain section in particular. So when they've gone, we want a fast drive by, and then you know get to the end <laughs> of the road and turn around. I've just gone. You know what? I'm out of here. 
you know, that that that's it. And the Lovely. funny thing about it was, not only did I think that, Shane was obviously thinking the same thing because the two of us, it just, once they said do a flyby, and we were supposed to turn around 10 seconds later, we, we, they didn't see us for the next 20 minutes. We just, we just nicked off up the road. <laughs> we just nicked off up the road and, and, and we were gone. And the funny thing about it was I was in the lead, Shane was behind. And because mm. of this low cloud, and we are climbing up the mountain road literally, we couldn't see a thing. We literally couldn't see a thing. Mm. And that's, that, as you say, uh, Rusty, it was one of those moments where you go, you know what? I can't see a thing. I'm doing, you know, well over you know, 100 mile an hour, 160 k's an hour on some of these sections of road. And there, there are hairpins. I don't know where this road is, but I thought, you know what? If I go off the edge, that's not a bad way to go. You know what I mean? Like driving the Isle of Man TT road that's been shut down for us at, by, by an act of parliament. I'm in a radical and I'm just driving and I'm just grinning like an axe murderer. And I thought that's not a bad way to go. So, yeah, that's how that came about. What is it like working with that legendary group with James May, with Richard Hammond? Well, that's that's an uh, through the peer review, had the very fortunate chance to meet them briefly. But to work with them like that must be off the scale good. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you realise why uh, Tokyo was such a global success when you meet them. And, and Clarkson, as you quite rightly say, the, the, the guy's a genius. He really is. I mean, mm. he's a brilliant writer uh, and it just happens to be that he writes about cars. I mean, if he was a, a travel writer or, or about you know, cooking or whatever, um, he'd be brilliant at that. He'd be the top of the tree in that field. It just happens to be that he's a mm. petrol head like the rest of us. But um, at the end of the day, Clarkson, or Top Gear, I should say, is Clarkson's singular vision. That is the vision of one bloke, um, you know, really hand-created this from scratch, and everybody else kind of facilitates that, if that makes sense. But they are proper, you know, mm. Clarkson in particular, they are real, real geniuses in that respect. Lovely stuff. That is part one of our chat with Steve Pizzardi. Don't miss the second instalment on our very next episode in a fortnight's time where we delve into, dive into some of the best safe driving tips for you this summer from one of the best in the business. Having supplied more than 300 million clutch kits to OE clients, Exidy has earned a reputation for trust, respect and quality. All Exidy OEM replacement kits include high-quality cover assemblies, clutch discs and release bearings and are manufactured to strict specifications for fitment, longevity and noise suppression. When you choose to fit an OEM replacement kit from Exidy's extensive range, you'll enjoy the same loyalty that they demonstrate to OE clients around the globe. Find out more at exidy.com.au. Time to chat with our member guest for this edition of The Grill. Thought we'd go two wheels as well, and it follows the appointment of a new look board for VACC. Matt Jones is actually Australia's number one Honda motorcycle dealer, and we've bumped into each other, I think, at either VACC functions or Honda dealer events over the years. He's in the studio. Matt, Happy New Year. Welcome to The Grill. Uh, thanks very much, Greg, for having me. Greatly appreciate Congratulations it. Congratulations on the appointment. What are your priorities on the VACC side moving forward? Um, it's going to be a big learning curve for me personally. Obviously, the VACC is a, you know, a large company. Have Our clients are our members. They're the people that we need to uh, look after and um, obviously get them on board and, and trust in the VACC and what we do as a company and moving forward and, and lifting the, the automotive industry up uh, as a whole. And I think that's kind of done knowing you with one arm around some of the things that Jeff detailed before uh, about the industry. It's 
its change and and a, I guess a little bit of preservation of some of the great stories we still have in the Aussie automotive game, be it specialist businesses that that support cars and and motorcycles and and those kind of in the front line designing and, and creating things. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone that gets involved in the automotive industry is, is there for a passion. The passion of people is what drives us um, to be better and better. And um, as a whole, it, it is a, a fantastic industry to be in. And uh, we've just got to get that out to uh, uh, the people, the, the kids and uh, young adults to, um, to join the industry. You're number one for Honda as a motorcycle dealer in Australia. Congratulations. How the heck did you pull that off? Because I would imagine that's quite a competitive uh, feat. Yeah, no, thank you very much. It, um, it was a great honour to win, to win that last year. We've got a, a great team that work, you know, very hard and uh, are very good at what they do. Um, it's always about learning and, and improving our, our processes and policies, and um, just making sure that you know, as Shane mentioned before earlier in the podcast, that um, you know, the customer service is um, you know a major part of any business to succeed, and, and we do strive on that to to make that happen. Hey Matt, a friend, when I was growing up in the UK, a friend of mine had this the weirdest bike. Tell me if anybody's bought one of these in. These are the things that they used to drop out of the aircraft in the war, and oh. the handlebars used to. It was like a bike when it when it landed, the the handlebars clipped up and the things popped out of it. Have you ever seen one of these things? No, I think I saw one out of a, a motorcycle museum in uh, in Europe. That's about all. <laughs> I wonder how many people were killed by a motorbike coming in <laughs> yeah, hot. That's from- right. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, right. make it. What happened? A uh, motorbike hit. <laughs> but Matt, Honda had one that came in the back of a car at one point that folded into like almost b- yeah, briefcase size, didn't it? Yeah, I remember that. Um, no, that was yeah. before my time. Sorry. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> Matt, <laughs> you're not sixteen now, mate. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Matt, we often talk about you know electric vehicles, hydrogen power for car and trucks, and there's the sort of evolution of the of the game. What about for for motorcycles? What sort of insights have you been given uh, that you can share from from Honda and so on for people that are, are passionate riders? And and what's sort of in the pipeline in the in the coming decade? Yeah, um, Kawasaki uh, have been you know at the forefront lately of uh, what they've released this year uh, in regards to EV vehicles. Um, Honda a little bit more quiet on the on that market at this stage. Um, Kawasaki next year have two electric models coming um, in the Ninja EV they call it, and a Z EV. Um, in twenty five there'll be a hybrid version of the the Learn approved Ninja six fifty, um, and they're approximate by twenty um, third to have a hydrogen model as well. Awesome. Hey, it's been great to get you in the studio today. Congratulations on two fronts. Obviously for your your appointment um, to the board. We wish you we, you know, well with that. There'll be a lot of um, hard, but I would imagine in the same vein as the motorcycle dealership, very passionate work that you'll you'll do there. And, and we wish you continued success after picking up uh, number one dealership last year. Well done. Yeah, well done, Matt. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We are just about out of time for this edition of The Grill. Back in a fortnight with lots of good stuff, including best and worst performers of 2022. We're going to look at uh, a little bit of stuff around um, news in the EV pipeline for 2023 and the whole idea of incentivisation, plus more from Top Gear Australia host Steve Pizzardi and one of your favourites, Blow It Out Your Tailpipe with Shane and some listener mail as well. From all of us, it's bye for now. This episode was brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce, and powered by Listener. Listener.